Support for Waveform comes from Anthropic. So looking for an AI solution for a business, it might be time to check out the Claude 3 family from Anthropic, your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. So whether you're powering a customer chat experience or doing complex R&D or need advanced analysis, Anthropic can help provide you with frontier intelligence. So if you're looking for speed, power, or anything in between, the Claude 3 family offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. All right. Welcome back, people of the internet, to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Marquez. And I'm Andrew. And it's Apple event week. That's that's the biggest thing that happened this week. Yep. This was the first live event from really any major company so far this year, and it's Apple's first event. We knew it was coming. It's the spring event. We knew a bunch of the stuff that we are going to get, and we got some other surprises because I actually sort of successfully kept myself out of the rumors this time. And there's a bunch of new stuff. Yeah, most of the rumors I saw were like a day or two before. So it like right. kind of felt like there were actually, there was some wonder in yeah, this event. a little I bit. Liked I, that. I, I, I tweeted I earlier, it. like I missed the days where we had an event coming up and we had no idea what was going to yeah. be announced. That was a long time ago. But here we are. We can get the boring stuff out of the way first, I think. There's a lot of smaller things, a lot of little refreshes and mm -hmm. updates. And I think we want to talk a little more at length about the studio stuff. For sure. Because that's... That's up our alley. Yes. But off the top, what do we get? We got a we got a nice Tim Cook intro. Good morning and welcome back to Apple Park. We got Apple TV to yeah, start. Apple TV off the start. I think like they started off with just kind of like a, almost like a film reel of all their new shows and stuff that are coming out and or re uh, new seasons of shows they have already. And the yeah. first thing I just thought was they're dumping a lot of money in. They're super serious. Do you watch any Apple TV shows? No. I don't either. I do really, I need to watch um, Ted Lasso. That's the I one I keep hearing everybody so likes. I've heard there's some other really good ones, but I just haven't. I don't have Apple TV, but like you could see by the, there was like Tom Hanks, Tom Holland. They had a ton, a oh, yeah. ton of huge Lipa, names. Denzel yeah. Washington. Mm -hmm. So I they're, mean, they're clearly making the push in the streaming game. We all know everyone's trying to make a streaming platform right now. Uh, they're trying to get up there with like Netflix and Peacock. Uh, yeah. But one thing I did think that was interesting that I have a little more of an opinion on is they're doing these MLB Fridays. I think right. it's baseball, Friday Night Baseball, it's called. Yep. They'll be playing two MLB games. I'm assuming it's every Friday. Mm -hmm. um, two kind of interesting things about this. One, baseball is in the middle of a strike right now, I believe. So the timing of that is super unfortunate. <laughs> oh, no. Um, okay. And then, so my... Other thing about this that I don't really love is just that I saw it in the NHL this year where they started taking NHL games and making them exclusively on ESPN Plus, um, which is ESPN streaming platform. Mm -hmm. And it's just a pain if you're if you like a specific team and now you've lost your local broadcast of something to be exclusive on a streaming oh, yeah. service that and when it's like this, where it's only gonna be two games on a Friday, like your team, you're probably only gonna miss one or two games. But if you're someone who really, really likes to watch every single game, 
it sucks to have to buy a streaming platform if all you're interested in is your your MLB team and now you're only going to use it for like two games a season or something like that. It's weird. It's, they didn't go all in, basically. Yeah, it's not like... They can't go all in. Yeah, you can't offer the entire probably. thing yeah. exclusively, but they did pay, I assume they paid the MLB a good bunch of money I'm for sure, this. And yeah. yeah, I guess that's the idea is, uh, hey, you want to watch the games? Mm-hmm. Just join Apple TV. And this isn't even like, I'm not super, super mad at like Apple TV here. This is happening all over sports. I just don't love it in general, um, but it yeah. clearly is a, a an interesting idea. If you are already an Apple TV user and you're a huge MLB fan, this might be really cool for you. You can get some out of uh, yeah, out of non-local games that you can watch, and that's pretty fun. But yeah, yeah, it's clearly, clearly gunning at top streaming services. They're really putting all the marbles in for that. It continues to evolve. I continue to watch none of them. I watch a lot of YouTube, and that's just me. <laughs> uh, then we got the green iPhone mid-cycle refresh. So you know, yeah. remember how it's usually, I guess it's it's been red a lot because mm-hmm. they didn't launch a product red and then six months later in March, they'd do a red version. I think they did a purple one last year. Was that last year? Yeah, I think on so. the 12. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah, it was the 12. Mm-hmm. So this year we got green. We got a green iPhone 13 and we got a, an Alpine green iPhone 13 Pro. Yeah, I was a little confused when they first announced it because they said two stunning new colors. And to me, oh. green is one is color. one color, despite it being two different it's two greens. Different greens. But I, when they announced it, it was like, when they say green, I, I knew it would already have to be two greens because the pro versions are matte and the non-pro versions are glossy. So I just kind of assumed that was one color. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of showed both of them and then just skipped to the next one. And we were all kind of at the studio like, was that two? They yeah. said two. So there. So it's just forest green, I think, for the thirteen. It's just like I think a base. Just, it's just, it's called, just green. called green. Yeah. But if I'm describing it for audio listeners, mm-hmm. it's just just imagine like your standard default, like slightly darker than normal green, and then the thirteen Pro Alpine green. You're kind of wearing your hat is closer to. It's like an olive green. Shout out moment. Yeah. Shop you moment. got head to toe green shades is on, kind of. Well, maybe I'm colorblind. Maybe that's kind of bluish. Well, everyone bit. in the audio version can now picture me wearing full yeah, green. Head to so toe green. Head to toe green. Yeah. No, it's like a military green. I've seen a car with yep. this green, and it looked nice. It. It love looked, it. Love it. Love it. So you're into the green. Super into the green. It's just funny how they just they just drop a new color. One of the ones that wasn't at launch. It could have been anything. I guess it could have been some other blue or whatever they wanted. But green was definitely not available at launch, and now here we are. And they've done a green. Sim- this feels like. It was the 11. There was a pro version of the green, but it was more towards gray. This is like the greener version of that, but still in that, yeah, that nature olive drab kind of yeah. like matte finish. I love it, honestly. I know you, you're into it. I'm into the alpine one. I'm you're, not into the regular green okay, iPhone, fair. but I'm, I'm into the alpine. I'll green. take that. You're usually pretty anti-green, so I just um, don't. It's just not my color. Like I, I don't wear green, so I don't disagree with you. I like it. I can see why people don't like green generally, but. Yeah, it's I, not easy I being green. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, we got that. That was the simple, easy stuff. Then we got two new things that I would describe as like new chip, old body, okay? iPhone SE and iPad Air. Yeah. iPhone SE follows the formula that we've seen from Apple from the last couple iPhone SEs, which is we've got the A15 Bionic, which is the newest chip, and it's inside the body of an old iPhone, which is the iPhone 8, basically. Home button, bezels, yeah. the whole deal. Now, putting an A15 Bionic in that older phone, and actually, this is a good clarification, a slightly higher capacity battery okay. physically, so it's it's hopefully a more efficient chip, but the big problem with the last year's iPhone SE was small phone, powerful chip, you can burn through that battery kind of quick. Yeah. So I'm happy to see a, sl- a larger capacity battery, and we'll be testing that. 
But yeah, the newer chip does allow for things like uh, Smart HDR 4 Plus, uh, photographic styles, like all the you know feature updates that are driven by the neural engine and the A15 Bionic. The camera quality should be better. Good stuff. So yeah. yeah it also I, has 5G now. Exactly. Which, so yeah. that, mo that modem is in there for 5G support. No millimeter wave, interestingly. So okay. the 13 and 13 Pro that can do millimeter wave, this will not do millimeter wave. Fair. And then it lands at $429, which is a little bit more expensive like 30 bucks, than the right? $399 of last generation's yeah. SE. My only thoughts were, like, when I first saw it, I was like, man, I was hoping this would be like a 12 mini body. I, I think optimistically I was hoping for 12 mini body. Pessimistically, I was hoping for at least, like, 10 body. Yeah. Like, newer, updated, notch, no more bezels, kind of that so aspect. I think, I think the best argument the best reason why they're not doing that is truly still the home button. People still need and want and buy and desire an iPhone with a home button. And there's a lot of iPhone 5, iPhone 6, iPhone 7, iPhone 8 users mm -hmm. who are just used to a home button and just want a new iPhone and don't want to learn gestures, don't want to switch to this new form factor. And this is still Apple going, all right, we'll offer that for you. But yeah, they obviously can make this part in mass, very cheap. And, you know, 429 yeah. is not the cheapest phone they've ever made, but it is still a competitive, lower price it's phone. It's super competitive. It's great value. The, the SE always has been. I think my only, like, argument against that they still really want to give someone the home button is if they're so adamant about giving people that option, why are you only giving it to them in the cheapest phone possible? Like, is there someone that wants a phone home button but wants yeah. normal, like, higher specs? Or, like, is there somebody who doesn't want the home button but can't afford their top-range stuff? It feels like you're splitting this it in is an unfair of, manner. I feel like it's sort of a last resort thing. They don't want you to buy this phone. Yeah, they, they don't want, want you to spend more money. Yeah. So if you really have to have a home button, they do offer one. But they would much rather you buy an iPhone 13 right now at full price in green, yeah. of course. I'm surprised they haven't. Also, a lot of people wanted a headphone jack and they got rid of it. So, like, there's True. plenty of things they've gotten rid of. I'm surprised the home button... Part of me thinks they just really had... Did the iPhone ten just sell so well they still have eight stock left over? Like a I bunch guess. of manufactured bodies and it's ready to go, but... But yeah, no, this this to me is interesting. We'll be testing it. It, it feels like a, a fascinating mishmash of parts. Like when you look at other budget phones, there are budget phones that have 120 hertz display, that have a larger screen than this, that have a 5,000 milliamp hour battery with like 40 watt fast charging, that have like some decent Qualcomm chip in there, 5G, all these things that you think like, oh, they all just spank the iPhone. Mm -hmm. But the iPhone has a couple things. It's 429 and it has probably the most powerful chip in any phone ever made. Yep. It's wild. And it's 429 and has a very solid 12 megapixel camera that will probably outperform every other phone at that price. Like when you, honestly, when you think of a $400 mm -hmm. phone, you don't think of an amazing camera. The small exception might be an, an old Pixel or something like that. But yeah, iPhone SE, great camera. Other than that, very old dated hardware, very old screen, very yeah. old screen, mm -hmm. like 60 hertz, lower resolution, not as bright, like very old parts in there. So it's a it's a weird mishmash of parts, but hey, this is iPhone SE. Special edition is what I think it originally stood for. Yeah, you just mentioned SE stands for special edition. I've never really thought about it during the event yesterday. And yeah, like it's, you the, said. it's the least special. It's the most formulaic, boring phone they have. 
Yeah. It's the sure. least special phone they mm -hmm. have, but it's a special edition. Some people were saying it stands for like, or they should change the name to like cheap, like the baseline edition, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. We also got the iPad Air though. It's the same general formula, which is fascinating because it's another weirdly imbalanced thing. The iPad Air is 599. Mm -hmm. It's the same body, same fingerprint reader, same battery, same, it's like one extra color. There's a blue one now. Same camera, same all that. Yeah. But it has an M1 chip in it now, which matches yeah. the performance of the highest end. I guess you would have to pay $800 to get an M1 iPad Air. How much is an M1? Or I'm going to look that up. M1, M1 iPad M Air. Sorry, M1 iPad, iPad Pro. Pro. Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to get an M1 iPad Pro right now, you'd be paying at least $799. So I remember when we when I reviewed the last iPad Air, I actually called it an iPad Pro killer. Yeah. Because the only thing you're missing, David and I were talking about this, the only difference between now the M1 iPad Air and the M1 iPad Pro is the max storage. You can get that one or two terabytes in the iPad Pro okay. if that's what you're after. Mm. The extra cameras of the iPad Pro and LiDAR. Everyone's dying for those. And then ProMotion, nicer yeah. screen. And that ProMotion thing is the only thing that I actually prefer. You, you get Face ID, you get a slightly different like bezel size, but really it's the same form factor between the iPad Pro and the iPad Air. Are the speakers that different? Maybe, I don't know. You get a Thunderbolt port on the uh, iPad Pro versus a fast USB-C port on the iPad Air. Is that the difference that you're gonna pay $200 for? Probably yeah. not. So like for me, it's just a screen. It's the biggest difference. Yeah. How many people are going to buy the iPad Pro if you have an M1 iPad Air option? Not as many, I, I would don't think. really like to know. I feel like the people that would make that jump are artists using it as a tablet. And I I'm can, without any knowledge and being a horrific artist, um, I can only assume the 120 hertz would actually be really beneficial. But if you're, a, if you're an artist or a drawer or a sketch, just like doing that, and if you use yeah. 60 and 120 hertz, it's, let us know. I would like to know how it's much an interesting it helps. Question. Yeah, I, when I look at that too, even the iPad Air supports the newest gen Apple Pencil. Mm -hmm. So it, my question would be, how big is the difference in latency between that exact same pencil on those two different Yeah, screens? so while it's probably doing this the exact same in terms of like how specific it is and how well it's drawing, like when you have that disconnect between your hand and what you're seeing on the screen and latency. your brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like that latency can really, I'm assuming, mess you up. Um, yeah. Yeah. And probably even even though it's a mental thing, I'm sure it's frustrating and I'm sure there's people willing to pay an extra 200 bucks for that. Yeah, yeah, I am, I'm, I'm still using my original, I guess it's 2018 or 2019, 12.9 inch iPad Pro. Yeah. Just because like, yeah, I've liked ProMotion and I've liked everything about it and I've had no reason to upgrade since then. The M1 chip is amazing, haven't needed it. It's it's crazy power. Yeah. That chip is, so they're gonna put that chip in an iPad Air with iPad OS and it's, I'm gonna have probably a lot of the same questions that I did about the iPad Pro, which is like how much of a computer-like experience can you turn this into? But yeah, now it's 599 instead of 799. Cool, yeah, Nice. that's awesome. So yeah. That's that's sort of the boring stuff, but we definitely got to get into this new M1 Ultra chip, the Mac Studio, and this new studio display. We'll get into all of that after the break. Be right back. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. 
Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right, $25 a month every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just visible. Switch today at visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see visible.com. Support for the show comes from Anthropic. Companies of all sizes are exploring use cases for AI and finding that it's not a one-size-fits-all game. It's all about finding the right balance between speed and intelligence. Like if you're powering a customer chat experience, you need instant speed at low cost. If you're doing complex R&D or advanced analysis, you need frontier intelligence. Claude 3 from Anthropic offers AI models for a variety of tasks and budgets. Claude 3 Opus is their largest and most powerful model that can handle complex tasks and analysis. Sonnet strikes the balance between information and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and most cost-effective model that can execute lightweight actions fast. Anthropic is dedicated to building AI systems that are reliable, interpretable, and steerable. Their multidisciplinary team of researchers, engineers, policy experts, and business leaders designed Claude to elevate the field of generative AI. See for yourself. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. All right, welcome back. Let's talk Apple Silicon update and the new computer that they launched and the new display. Uh, you want to do the the chip first? I guess that makes the most sense. Yeah, let's do because I feel like the chip kind of is what this is all based on, and yeah, honestly, what we're most excited about. Yeah. So. Okay, so we already knew we set the stage. We got the M1 chip, mm-hmm. and that filled out Mac Mini, MacBook Air, Mac, iMac. Great chip, very like baseline, but obviously very capable for almost everyone's regular use. It's weird calling that baseline. It's really but good. It is. Yeah, it's really it's good. Crazy we good. reviewed it. It's out there. That's the baseline stuff. Then we got, and that's even, it's in a MacBook Pro. That's how good it is, 13-inch mm-hmm. MacBook Pro. So then we got M1 Max and M1 Pro. So M1 Pro being a step up and M1 Max being the highest end. And those show up in MacBook Pros. And I've this is this thing right here, the 16-inch MacBook Pro that I'm using with the M1 Max chip in it, monster chip. Yeah. Amazing. Incredible efficiency, great battery life, but also it's outperforming Literally iMac Pros, some Mac Pros out there, especially in Apple's native apps. Incredible stuff. M1 Ultra is the name of the new chip that just got announced. Yeah, let's start right there because- With the name? Yeah, because it's a name we've debated about for a while. I guess we've been talking about the Mac Pro chip and what its name was going to be. This is not quite there, but is obviously the upgrade. I think people were thinking M1X. You were thinking M2 for a little bit because we weren't sure like if this was going to yeah. keep the M1 line. So we're we're on the M1 line, M1 Ultra. I was thinking it might have been M1 Extreme or something like that. Sounds like something Apple would call it. Yeah, but there's Intel Extreme stuff, so I feel like they're going to uh, try and stay away from that. That's my guess. Why I could see them extreme. like leaning in, like yeah, we I do mean, Extreme too, and it's way better than there's yours. There's clearly some things they don't care about, and just pretend other yeah. companies don't exist. I mean, um, Samsung makes an Ultra. They didn't exactly. Really seem to care. Samsung had a pretty funny tweet that was just like Green Ultra. We're flattered by the nice, <laughs> yeah, nicely done. Uh, wow, Samsung getting getting a little shout out. Yeah, well, well played. Um, <laughs> I just don't like the name, to be honest. No real reason why. I just it's, don't think it's that fun. You know, it's funny. I never liked M1 Max either because we're talking about yeah, M1 Max either. Max and a Mac with M1 Max. Like, it's it's not a good name. True. At least it's not a tongue twister. Yeah. So yeah. I, I got over the names and, and how I don't like any of them <laughs> okay. a long time ago because the chips are so good. I'm like, Fair. whatever. Fine. So the M1 Ultra is basically two M1 Maxes together. This it, is We've been hearing about this die design and how they're going to have essentially 
cut out. They're going to cut out. It's like, imagine a, well, it's funny because it's not, it's not a square anymore. It's a rectangle. Well, now it's a rectangle. Yeah. yeah so it's a, it's a rectangular chip with a, with a super fast, super high bandwidth connection between them. 2.5 terabytes per second between the two chips should basically allow them to communicate with zero latency. And the whole system sees it as one mega chip. It's why it was like exhibit was like, yo dog, we heard you like M1 <laughs> max. Why don't you have two? We put a pair in there. Yeah. Yeah. And that is funny. Dave 2D brought this up in his video. Like there are dual socket systems. They've been out there for a long time. Mm -hmm. You can actually get a motherboard and put two CPUs on it and two coolers and run a system with two chips. Um, but having the system see it all as one is way more efficient and it's just it's just a better way to do it. Yeah. So we saw this coming, but it's here. It's massive. Um, we get the crazy speeds. It's a 20-core CPU, 16 of those being <laughs> performance cores, four of those being high-efficiency cores. And there's a 48-core or 64-core GPU version of this. Yep. And uh, I think it's a 64 or 128 gigs of unified memory. Exactly, yeah. Okay, that's pretty sick. That's a, that's a lot of big numbers. They are big numbers. They did a they did the whole graph thing they always do, which is they yeah. show not really well labeled graphs. Did you of, notice the graph is always the same length away, no matter what? It would be like yeah, like yeah, a quarter of it is always the competitor, but then the top bar is like two times faster, three point seven times faster. Yeah. It's always the same. It's amount the same of shape distance. of a graph every time. Yeah, it's the but same. they'll like change the asymptote and or so they change the axis to say a hundred. But like, what test are you running? Yeah. Like, what benchmark? What app is this even? Yeah. Um, I did see the fine print, and they they mentioned certain GPUs by name. RTX thirty sixty Ti yeah. is going to be more efficient than that chip. It's going to draw. 200 watts less power than an RTX 3090 at the same performance. Yeah, a lot of the graphs were also like super specific. Like you said, it's like outperforms blah, blah, blah at this much less power. Yeah. And so I don't know. They're not one-to-one -one like, yeah. which there never really are. But Basically, my take from this was like, okay, I can't really learn much from Apple's hand-picked tests. But what I did pick up is that they compared this frequently to the highest-end iMac Pro and yes. the Mac Pro. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's called the Mac Studio that this computer is is hosting this M1 chip in. We'll talk about the computer in a second. Yeah. But this chip is actually more capable in a lot of things than any chip they've ever put in any Mac. And that sure. that is like a question I was asking in my video. Is is like, uh, okay, we've we've seen the event. Is this the highest end chip they need to make? And the answer turned out to be no. And we'll get to that in a second. Well. They also did though mention that this is the full M1 lineup. The right, right around that's, here, they that's, did say so. That. There's some there's some naming specifics that we can get into. We'll probably yeah. talk about that. With yeah, the Mac we will Pro. definitely talk about that. But bottom line is, this M1 Ultra chip seems to be awesome, and I cannot wait to start testing it. That being said, um, the computer that it's in is called yeah. the Mac Studio. Mm -hmm. So they announced the Mac Studio alongside the new monitor, which is the Studio Display. And it basically looks like a super thick Mac Mini. I'm giving that about four Cs. It's like yeah. several Mac Minis stacked on top of each other. Yeah, 3.7 inches tall, which seems really small, but like yeah. I guess the regular Mac Mini is probably only like an inch and a half. It's like an so inch it, and a half. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 looking like it ate a bunch of other, other Mac <laughs> yeah, Minis, basically. Right. They curbied another Mac yeah, Mini. <laughs> essentially. So it's tall, it's got these heat sinks. I think basically half the internal volume is heat sink. Yeah, I actually got a little excited off the start because so you know how it's it's pretty much like a rounded square yeah. and then on the bottom it has a circle that's all the vents. Mm -hmm. So they started when they announced it with this like crazy close up of a bunch of holes and 
circular. And I was like, oh my God, they're bringing the trash can back. And I literally said it out loud and got yeah. excited. And then I realized it was just the bottom that you almost never see. And I yeah. got a Somebody bummed. who made that render was probably thinking that the whole time, like somebody's going to think it's a yeah. Mac Pro circle you, again. You got me if you're watching. But it is actually a remarkably similar thermal design. It's taking mm -hmm. in cool air from the bottom, which yeah. the trash can Mac Pro did. It cools yeah. all the components and then exhausts hot air out the top, or in this case, the top the back. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know, this is uh, this is Apple's own silicon. This isn't a huge GPU inside. Exactly, it's very I, different. I think that's the biggest thing because when you had the trash can Mac Pro and it started having problems, it was very specifically the GPU that was starting GPU to was cause just issues. Spitting flames, man. I mean, and jamming that inside that small, yeah. where it only had vents on the top and bottom, and the outside was like literally completely shut. And it never sealed. stood a chance. Yeah, Looking was, back, yeah. it was insane. So this Mac Studio, so it's got a bunch of real ports, got a bunch of Thunderbolt ports on the back. It's got 10 gig Ethernet, HDMI, two USB-A ports still. It's mm -hmm. got the high impedance headphone jack from the MacBook Pro, it looks like. And there's front IO also. Yeah. Front ports. I think that's nice because this is clearly something that goes on your desk and there's an SD card reader right on the front of the thing. Yep, awesome. Thank you. The, the, old, the Mac Mini always had it on the back. That always drove me insane. Oh, I yeah. And they still put the power button on the back. Fine, I can reach around and hit that. Yeah, but if yeah. I just want to hit the SD card slot right in the front, love that. So that's in the front along with two USB-C ports. If you get the M1 Ultra version, those are two Thunderbolt ports. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on this design? I mean, it's it's clearly extremely small for the, the amount of power it's kicking out. That's what I think is really cool about it. And in a very specific scenario like here where people make fun of your uh, cable management fairly often because you're- Oh, this is huge for me. So, yeah, yeah, we have the Mac Pros. I'm someone who put it on my desk, but it takes up a large amount of my desk. Yes. You have double monitors, you have big studio speakers, like it cannot fit it on your desk. Fit. So you have your computer on the ground all the time, which means all of your wires always have to have slack for mm -hmm. being able to go to sitting to standing. That's something people don't understand. Yep. I wanna just bring up the fact that PewDiePie roasted my setup because yeah. all he did was see the disc in the standing position and saw all those cables yep. dangling there and said, Marquez, what's good with the wires? Yep. Bro, it's impossible. I mean, it's you can do it, yeah. but you spend a serious amount of cable management. And as someone who switches computers every couple of years, I'm not exactly, trying to do that. Yeah. Um, just trying to, to make that work. So yes, with this, it'll be on my desk mm -hmm. and I'll have the cleanest setup you've ever seen. No wires anywhere. I'm very excited. Looking forward yeah. to seeing it. But yeah, you, the fact that you can literally, like you could stack that between your two monitors right now, have all the wires. I think that's the move. Yeah, it's going to look so much nicer. It is crazy you can get that much power out of something that small that can fit on your desk. Uh, I would, I feel like 12 South or something's going to do, it'd be really see if they made some sort of mount to go onto the back of monitors because that would be really sick. That's what I always love doing with small form factor computers. Yeah. This is a little thicker though, maybe not work. I, when you said well. 12 South, I actually pictured them making like, um, like a tray. Wait, so are you thinking of like the old IMAX stands we had? Kinda, kinda. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm I'm picturing a tray because the one thing we'll talk about the monitor in a second. But people are like, why is there no wireless charger in the stand? Apple was never going to do that. Mm -hmm. But what if they just made a tray where you put the Mac there, you put you got like a wireless charger, a spot to charge your phone maybe, and then like some spots to hold like SD cards and stuff, and it's just all neatly in this little metal tray okay. with felt on the inside, so it's soft. Yeah, that would be cool. I could see them making that. But yes, a backpack type thing where you put it on the back of a monitor, yeah, it can or, fit. Do you remember our iMac stands for the iMac Pro? It was Max kind stand. of like, it was basically like a little box where since the iMac isn't height adjustable, yeah. it would like 
boost it up a little bit. You and I are both tall. That helps immensely. And yep. then it would give you like a little slot to store yeah. some things under. Yeah. But I could see 12 South making a case where you could scoot the new studio display stand on top of it safely. By the way, 12 South like will take beat. a solid 10% of yeah. all of these ideas Easy. when you do eventually come out with them because yeah. clearly we're the only ones who have these ideas. Yep. Uh, no, yeah, I like it a lot. Something also, uh, since I uh, put out this video, I, Dave2D, again, just he's a sleuth. He's all over apple.com. Yep. Found that the M1 Ultra version of this Mac Studio weighs two pounds more than the M1 Max version. thought that was curious. And the two possible speculations we had were either number one, they've done some sort of a different heatsink design in the M1 Ultra yeah. version, or number two, there's just a bigger power supply in the M1 Ultra version, which weighs more because it's an internal power supply. Yeah. So that's an interesting random quirk. If you're thinking about putting it behind the monitor as a backpack, you should know if you get the seven pound version versus the five pound version, I guess that should that's matter a little bit. That's fascinating. Yeah. I cannot wait. I'm sure he's going to sleuth into that further and yeah. try and figure out what exactly it is. Yeah, and we're going to get both. I don't know if, I guess, I'm guessing they pop open the same way a Mac Mini does. The bottom part, you just unscrew it basically and you okay. can look inside, but we'll see. Can we actually talk about that a little bit? Because this was something uh, they right after they announced the studio, they said is, or actually I think it was right before, they said there's three main things we want to accomplish with the Mac Mini or the Mac Studio. Performance, connectivity, and modularity. And finally, many want a modular system and display so they can create their perfect setup. And the modularity thing made me think we were getting a Mac Pro. And then the Mac Mini comes out, which I think we all know is like not exactly what we would consider modular. And At right all. after that, he did say, many want a modular system and display so they can create their perfect setup. It, it kind of feels like all they're saying is you get to choose your own monitor. That's the only thing I could say is modular about this. But he, in that, it also does say modular system, which feels like the system, not including externals or peripherals. So that part confused me. That part feels like a lie. Exactly. This put this is this is a computer that is not designed to be user serviceable. The 128 gigs of video memory you can never change oh, once yeah. you buy it. Yeah. All of this like spec changing, like you can't do anything once you get it. I mean, other than like change a fan out or something if it breaks, but like that's not even on you. It's not yeah. modular at all. No. Yeah, you can change your own display. Yeah. BYOD. I thought that was an interesting word I to throw out I there. would never use modular no. to describe this. Uh, okay, so that's the M1 Ultra's Mac Studio, right? So we've got the, the computer. They, they announced it alongside this display, this gorgeous display, and it looks just like a Pro Display XDR. But basically what it is is for $1,600, it's they took the display out of the 27 inch iMac and just made it a standalone. Is it the screen. same aspect ratio? It's the same display. Oh, okay. All of it. It just looks same. different because it doesn't have a chin on it. Anymore. Exactly. Okay. So it doesn't have the screen. It doesn't have, sorry, the computer behind it. It doesn't have the chin anymore. They've taken the same 27 inch 5K display. I think it's 600 nits now instead of 500. That's the only difference. Yeah. Same, you know, same yeah aspect ratio, pixel density, all that stuff. And they've repackaged it. So it's a nice display. It looks like the Pro Display XDR, but it doesn't need the heat sink holes on the back. So it's just a flat metal back. Yeah, it looks like if Pro Display XDR and the iMac, then one iMac kind of, because like the yep. stand and the thinness is closer to that, but the the feeling and look of it feels like yeah. uh, XDR. And then it's uh, it's got three ports on the back, three USB-C. I think it was two USB three USB-C and a Thunderbolt. Okay, so it's got your ports on the back. It has a 12 megapixel webcam, which the Pro Display doesn't have, and it's an ultra wide webcam with uh, the center stage feature. Yeah, and it has an A13 
inside the monitor, right? For Crazy. that, it and does the speakers. Yeah. So the triple mic array and the webcam powered by literally a high-end smartphone chip from two years ago. Yeah. Amazing. And six speakers with Atmos and spatial audio as well. They said those speakers are the best they've ever put in a Mac, which to me, I am using the 16-inch MacBook Pro, and this is the best speakers I've ever heard in a Mac. Yeah. Because like, what other built-in speakers do you really care about? The sure. desktop never has good speakers. So I'm interested to hear what those sound like. Yeah, and I also, a lot of people are going to say who cares about speakers inside of a monitor, and oh, it's easy to agree with that at the same time. If you're someone who's 99% of the time using headphones for your work, which I think on a lot of, there's going to be a lot of video editing uh, and potential music editing and audio editing on this, yeah. I think that will be the case. But every once in a while, you just want to like show someone something quick. And if you don't have the full like speaker setup, Having just those really quickly to unplug your headphones, show somebody something so you can both listen to it mm -hmm. as an example, and then plug it back in. It's actually really beneficial, I think. Yeah. I was calling this studio display basically everything that M, uh, sorry, it's everything that LG UltraFine 5K ever wanted to be. Remember yeah. that thing from like six years ago? Yeah. It came out right alongside a couple other Macs, and it was like, oh, nice. Okay. With one cable, you can plug it into your laptop, it'll charge the laptop. And you get this gorgeous 5K display, which is like, okay, that's the same resolution Apple's been using and all that. Cool. They just made, they just killed that product basically, but it's more expensive. Yeah. And the stand, this is where it gets kind of interesting, mm -hmm. at least for me. Okay. So $1,600 just for the baseline. Yes. Add 300 if you want nano texture. Yeah. Add 400 if you want height adjustability at all. Yeah. So pretty much... Regular default stand it comes with is like the IMAX stand, which is just tilt. And just then tilt. if you want the kind of XDR-esque stands, you know, the- It doesn't rotate the, to portrait no, like no, the no, XDR. It doesn't, it doesn't do that. But, but it, it just adds height adjustment. It adds that extra hinge to get the height. That's all you get, height for 400 adjustment. Bucks. $400 for height adjustment. So you could easily, okay. $700. So you're looking at like, what is that? Now it's an over $2,000 yeah. monitor. Yeah. So does it kill the, the LG UltraFine 5K? No, there's a lot of other monitors that do a lot of things- that are close, but not quite like it. Wait, but, slightly off topic. Was the was the ultrafine? Was that the one that uh, was interfering with routers yes. back in the day? Yes, they had to well, release had an update. Yeah, yeah, that was really. Funny. Yes, because that, that was a, like a plastic monitor, right? Mm -hmm. It had a webcam, but I'm sure it wasn't very good. It had built-in speakers, but I'm sure those weren't six-speaker Dolby Atmos like amazing. Was it height adjustable? I'm pretty sure it had a okay. Most yeah. So I that's think it so it doesn't cost four hundred extra dollars. So like yeah. that launched at like thirteen hundred bucks. It's still thirteen hundred bucks. That's still a display that a lot of people will probably get if they only want to spend thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah. But if you want the extra bits of like Apple doing first party well, like this studio display will clearly pair well with any Mac. The webcam is you know has the highest powered ISP probably in any <laughs> monitor ever. Yeah. So you got a thirteen in there center stage. You got great speakers, great mics. So yeah, I can see people with MacBook Pros who didn't want to get a $6,000 Pro display getting this instead. Yeah. And a lot of people who get the Mac Studio getting this as well. Uh, it's interesting that it's not updated at all in any sort of color capacity. Like if you're doing studio stuff like video editing, the 5K iMac display was good, mm -hmm. but it's not. $1,600 like standalone display good. So I'm, I'm curious to, you know, see what kind of people end up choosing that over the other options. I was personally selfishly hoping it would be higher fresh rate, 120 Hertz, totally unnecessary for a studio display, but I just yeah. want a higher fresh rate display 
in the inevitable most powerful Mac ever made. So. Yeah, this feels like the the toned down version of XDR though. So I, while still pretty high price point, um, yeah. I was I don't see them giving it anything that's going to outperform the XDR display. Oh yeah, that's that fair. Sense. Well, I mean, um, it, it does though. It has much better speakers and a much better webcam. True. Yeah. But as far as the display quality, it's not going to touch the edge, the XDR. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So fair. Okay. Um, so that's the studio display. I think like in that really quick, there was some debate on Twitter about I love the uh, <laughs> about how much this is worth, and it seems pretty. No one's re- or there's both sides. Some people think this is totally not worth it because you could just get the old ultra fine, yeah. and while it's still thirteen hundred dollars, people are saying you can get it used for quite a bit cheaper. Sure, and then this is like sixteen hundred bucks for a five K display. There's a lot of people saying um, compare it to something else, but not a lot of people make five K. Uh, yeah, Apple that's seems the thing. to be the only people making 5K. So it's hard to find a direct comparison here. It's hard to find comps. That's yeah, that's what it comes exactly. down to. So yeah, I, I guess I find I'm probably somewhere in the middle where I can only recommend this to people who know what they want and this is what they want. If I specifically want a 5K display that's going to work well specifically with my Mac, this is one of the best options. Yeah. Right? There's only a couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to be the best built. It's going to have the best speakers. It's going to have the best camera, I'm assuming. And it's going to work well as far as, I don't know, there's no face ID, but I mean, it's got an A13 Bionic inside. Yeah, I, I think it's, if you're a, a bargain hunter, I don't think you're getting a bargain with this, but no. if you buy this, you're not going to feel ripped off. Yeah, I so think. that's the other side. Oh, yeah. do you want a bargain? Do you want the best bang for your buck as far as like, I want a high resolution display to pair yeah. with my Mac? Okay, yeah. Check out the Dell Ultra Sharps. Check out the LG 5Ks. Check out the other displays. There's, if you want higher refresh rate, there's other options. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, you got to know what you want. And for some people, a studio display is exactly what they want, and that's cool. So I guess yeah, all of that paired together makes a pretty solid announcement. But then they ended it with a a pretty brutal teaser, in my opinion. Oh yeah, just because like I know you what missed I'm here for. First. I actually did miss it. Yeah. I was listening to four different things at once, and I didn't catch yeah, it. Yeah, you were like tweeting and everything. Yeah. yeah, I was taking my notes, but apparently, so so John at the end, the, the the final presenter before Tim Cook said, "Together with the studio display, these products will empower users to create the studios of their dreams and to continue to change the world." And they joined the rest of our incredible Mac lineup with Apple Silicon making our transition nearly complete with just one more product to go, Mac Pro. But that is for another day. But that's just for another day. On to you, Tim, and just moves on. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's I, that's the one I've been waiting for. So my question this entire time, and we'll get more into this after the break, was is the Mac Studio a Mac Pro Mini yeah. or a Mac Mini Pro? Yeah, that's very <laughs> right. It's just Take a, it's a small difference, right? Is it a better Mac Mini or a or worse a Mini Mac, Mac Pro? Yeah, it's very. And the answer is is because of his statement. It's a Mac Mini Pro. Yeah, right. It's a really really good powerful chip in a computer that goes on your desk. Mm-hmm. But the Mac Pro is still coming later. It just happens to be so powerful that it's outperforming the current, the Mac current Pro. Yeah. That's how good it currently is. I mean, we've seen that before, like when the i the MacBook Air M1 came out, and there was yeah. still and they were like, "Is this Mac a Pros. is this a yeah. Mac Pro? Is this a MacBook Pro?" No, it's just so good that by the time they get to refreshing yep. the next one, that's the, the next level. The up. transition's gonna have some weird in betweens here. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, 
and come back and talk about that Mac Pro. Support for this episode of Waveform comes from Gigabyte. There's a lot of talk out there about how AI is revolutionizing our world. Computers are writing newsletters, robotic bees are pollinating flowers, and a whole new wave of driverless taxis are popping up in cities all over the world. But how can AI power our passions and what we do for fun? That's where Gigabyte's AI gaming laptops come in. So their range of powerful and portable new laptops deliver cutting edge performance for anyone looking to explore the brave new world of AI powered gaming. So every 2024 Aorus machine comes equipped with the Gigabyte AI Nexus, which is like a central hub located with all the AI-powered features you could hope for. So that includes super useful tools like AI Power Gear, which automatically throttles and extends your computer's battery life depending on your power source and usage. You'll also get access to AI Boost, which optimizes performance based on what you're doing in that moment, whether you're ripping through an FPS or running your own large language model. AI Boost automatically adjusts the GPU and processors to maximize responsiveness and deliver unparalleled efficiency. Lastly, AI Generator includes various generative AI apps for quick startup, and all 2024 Gigabyte models seamlessly integrate with tools like OpenAI and Microsoft's Copilot AI chatbot. But the Aorus 16X and the Gigabyte G6X take it to the next level with a dedicated Copilot key, allowing users to swiftly tap into productivity and generative AI capabilities. I also keep hearing AI is going to change a lot in the gaming world. Andrew, can you think of anything about that? Not just optimization, like you said, but like more personal optimization I could see happening where like maybe you're playing a competitive game like Valorant and you want higher FPS and lower resolution. Like you're okay versus like The Witcher where you might want 4K crispy resolution and like a lower frame rate. I think finding that between your computer specs and what you want might help out a lot. Nice. So all of the models that I've been talking about are available right now at oris.com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. So that's A-O-R-U-S dot com slash laptops slash gigabyte dash AI. Gigabyte, team up, fight on. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we back. Welcome to the least useful most emotional part of the podcast for me. Yeah, the back end of the podcast, what it usually is. We save it for we save the best for last. Uh, okay, so we know what we've got announced. Yes, the M1 lineup is actually now complete. Yes, because what Apple said is this completes the M1 lineup. So that's the M1, the M1 Pro, the M1 Max, and the M1 Ultra. Yes, which means we're going to get a Mac Pro, and it won't have an M1 in it. It'll have something else. Yeah, this is something I double-checked multiple times is they had two very specific statements that I'm sure were worded very on purpose, which yep. was, we're adding one last chip to the M1 family and it's going to blow your mind. And then when they were talking about form factor computers, they said, this Apple is Silicon. the Apple Silicon lineup, everything except for one, which is Mac Pro. So they specifically did not say M1 there. So we're assuming that now Mac Pro is... This is our speculation, yeah. not M1. So, what do you want to get to do first here? 
Uh, naming? I guess my speculation starts with naming. Yeah, let's go straight into naming. I so, think okay. I think the, the way this roadmap plays out is we're going to start to see the refresh of the new versions of those M1 chips yep. around the same time we see the, the new Mac Pro. So I think we're going to get an M2 in all of the baseline stuff that we currently have an M1 in. Okay. So we have an M1 iPad, M2 iPad, mm -hmm. M1 MacBook Air, M2 MacBook Air. I think we're going to get an M2 Pro and an M2 Max in these MacBook Pros. Yep. And then we're going to get an M2 Ultra in the Mac Studio. Uh -huh. And I think they need an M2 Extreme or something else Mega. for the Mac Pro. Mega. Yeah, they're going to have to come up with another word, yeah, another name. I'm not banking on a good one, but. <laughs> and that will be, so we're just skipping M1 altogether for Mac Pro. And it will be on okay. the same architecture as M2. Mm -hmm. So they'll probably have more density. I don't know if it's four nanometer, but you know, more transistors, all this stuff for M2. We do all that for all the M2 series. And then that same architecture gets like a quad chip okay. for the M2 extreme. Yeah, like a Mac four Pro. times pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. That's my theory based on what I've seen and how it's timed out. So after a lot of thought into this, at first I was wondering if there would just be like an M1 Ultra 2, Double? I don't want to call it, like a, yeah, I don't know, like an upgraded M1 Ultra that could be in a Mac Pro. And then I think I've eventually came to the point where you are, but I have one more thing in there, which is if that is the case, if they do a full M2 refresh of everything and then do a fifth M2 chip for the Mac Pro, when do you see the Mac Pro coming out? Because yeah, that's where I've, gotten to this point of yeah so the the last mac pro what we got a we got an unveiling at wwdc which was like june uh -huh. and then they said it's coming by the end of the year and i think it came out in like november or december mm -hmm. so i i kind of just whenever i make predictions about the future of apple they are so like consistent with so many things i tend to just look backwards to be able to look forwards so i would guess that we see an unveiling of this new mac pro at wwdc 2022 and it's out by the end of the year along with some other M2 stuff. So that's where I'll disagree, I guess. Okay. So, and the, my reasoning for it is, if you're going to release the M2, what a mega ultra, we're, we can just call it whatever, um, <laughs> it feels really hard to me because if they're going to release that end of year, that means they're basically going to be releasing it before most of the other M2s, right? The next generations, maybe you're starting to get the beginning of the M2 and like the upgraded Air at the end of the year, the upgraded MacBook Air. Yeah, maybe they do refresh everything. Mm, that's a fast. I cycle. feel like it would make more sense for them to introduce M2 on the lower end, kind of like what they did with M1, mm -hmm. and then you're going to slowly build. So each one, you can say we're more powerful, we're more powerful, we're more powerful. So when you start at M2 Mega. Everything after that is now downgraded in terms of release. I mean, still really good, still different price points, so they're still super worth it, but it yeah. just feels from an announcement standpoint to be weird, to be like, you can't do anymore. This is the fastest chip Apple's ever made. Saying. That's okay. like their, their freaking so you're saying, mantra. Because yeah, basically they've announced these new chips in progressive order of power. Right? Exactly. They announced the M1, yep. and then they did the more powerful M Pro, mm -hmm. and then M1 Max, and then the even more. So exactly. I guess so are they beholden to doing that again? Or are they allowed to announce the M2 Mega in the desktop, but obviously that doesn't fit in the other machines, so then we'll also do M1, M2 Pro later? Is that weird? 
I think so. Yeah. So to me, it makes me sad. I think they're going to talk about more Mac Pro at WWDC, and then I don't think we're going to see M2 Mac Pro for another year. Uh, well, they did promise a two-year transition, so that's kind of funny if they announce it and then just don't put it out. I think that as far is as like, true. I didn't take that into consideration. Yeah, the end of the two years is the oh. end of this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know. Unless do they count it as the full transition as it's like it's being developed, it's just not out yet. Mm, that's tough. I want it to be I out. I don't think so. I yeah. know you want it to be out. No want it to be out. I'm not being like, yo, Apple, Marquez really wants to wait another year for this. Could you slow but it down? It's but, funny because I also do think that the the general idea of what we're expecting from that chip and what it'll do is already pretty set. Like we know what this this Jade 2 die with two chips and the, the fusion layer mm-hmm. in between, we already know what that is and what it does. If they just do that again, now there's four. That's what we're expecting the Mac Pro to be. So what, 40 core CPU, 128 core GPU, 256 gigs. Oh no, we have to quad, yeah, yeah. 256 gigs of, of built-in memory. We're just doubling yeah, the yeah, M1 yeah. Ultra. And well, you're doubling the M1 I'm though. doubling the M1 Ultra, See, not knowing that maybe there could be a little extra well, juice in there for M2 Ultra. But yeah, so that's the thing also. If we are going to get the M2 Mega, which we assume is like four times what the M2 Max would be, or mm-hmm. two times the M2 Ultra, what is the M2 Ultra? What are the specs on that? What are, What's the upgrade on there that then you're doing right. twice of that again to get to four times the right. M2 Max? But we might just be like nitpicking just because like the, the fundamentals of it will be the same. It will True. be that 4X size. It will be that 4X. Yeah, yeah. 4X um, of what transistors, M2 is. 4X yeah. capabilities generally. Mm-hmm. And like the best, most optimized apps will get a huge bump in performance. Maybe not a 4X, but like if they're efficient, if they're Apple first party apps, maybe they'll get 4X performance, right? Yeah. So that's the general theory behind it. And like, God, I am very excited to see a machine that can do 4X what this Ultra can do. Because that's it's basically 4X what the current Mac Pro can do. So wild because I feel like we're still on the high of what just M1 Pro and M1 of Max Ultra. really gave us. Like yeah. people are still, I mean, Tim just got his laptop. People are still just getting those MacBook Pros and really understanding how powerful they are. And and Apple's just like double it, quad it. Yeah. More, I guess it's that stocks. we, you know, the, <laughs> the, the pace of development isn't necessarily higher They've developed M1, yeah, and they're just shipping larger and larger cuts of the same general thing. If that's, uh, I'm oversimplifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For but sure. so now that we get like a 2x version, it's like they didn't have to do an entire year of development to see how are we going to double the number of transistors in the same amount of space. No, they just have a double the size chip. Yeah. So I don't think we're that far out from actually seeing a chip capable of all that. They just need to develop the machine it goes in. And like decide what kind of tower this actually That's looks a like. Great segue because I think form factor is the next most interesting thing about yeah. uh, a new Mac Pro because it clearly right now the Mac Pro is gigantic. It needs to fit a motherboard. It needs to fit different things in the PCIe slot. It needs to fit so much and still have a ton of extra space because it needs to cool it so much. Mm-hmm. You drop down to being Apple Silicon now, and you're seeing this Ultra in a basically like beefed up Mac Mini. What is what the is Mac, the Mac Pro, Pro gonna look like? Okay, so I, this is something I've thought about a lot. I will attempt to describe the way I think roughly a new Mac Pro would look like with okay. our theoretical, let's just call it an M1 quad, right? Okay. I've had like seven different names for it already. I like Mega. I'm already at the point where I'm gonna be sad if it's mega. called Mega right. just because we said it so let's many go times with that. in this podcast. Okay, so this M1 Mega. So 
right now you can still buy an Intel Mac Pro from Apple.com if you really want to. Mm-hmm. For 50 they, grand. They just released a new one also. They just right? updated the GPU, yeah. exactly. You can get a different graphics card. For 50 grand, you can get two dual-sized, uh, dual-slot workstation cards, a 28-core Xeon, a terabyte and a half of DDR5 RAM, and eight terabyte SSD, and some wheels, right? Oh, and uh, don't forget, don't forget the, uh, what's that card called? I just forgot. It's the ProRes card. Oh, Afterburner. Yeah, yeah. You can get an Afterburner card for $2,000 in there, right? The Afterburner card is completely unnecessary in the new one because that's basically built into the media engine, which mm-hmm. gets doubled every time the chip gets doubled. The The built-in chip in the Ultra can do 18 concurrent ProRes 8K422 files at once playback. So you don't need a ProRes card. You don't need the Afterburner card anymore. So scrap that. That's out yeah. of here. So then I just think about like thermal envelope and how small can this thing be? I think it will be an on-desk computer size again. Mm-hmm. And I'm picturing, I'm trying to s- describe this correctly, about the size of the Yamaha HS8 studio monitor on my desk. Okay. If those, if people don't know how big that is, that's basically picture like a MacBook Pro up on its side. Picture a cube that big. Yeah, I'm going to say like... A like a 14-inch laptop. Foot tall, foot long not even a foot tall not even a foot tall actually yeah no yeah it's a foot tall that's a good that's actually a good measurement i'm also going to quickly do this in metric so people on the- good call okay one foot is 300 millimeters so right tall so picture a 300 millimeter cube a one foot cube something roughly like that okay right? so you can put it on your desk if you want to um and i think a chip that big can use half of that space for cooling and then Apple just needs to decide what types of add-on real modularity they want to support. Do they want us to be able to slot in like actual extra GPU power? Because it's going to be an absurdly powerful GPU built in already. Mm-hmm. Does that need to even exist? Don't know. Um, do they want us to be able to slot in additional storage? Lots of professionals need to be able to slot in additional storage. I think additional storage is, is the biggest thing that's going to separate yep. this from the the studio. Additional I.O. and networking, a lot of people need in their professional environments to be able to slot in, hey, I need eight more Thunderbolt ports for this thing. Hey, I need, you know, four gigabit Ethernet ports just for this computer. Every time I buy one, I, I'm going to need a card, an expansion card basically for that. What types of expansion cards will work? How will they interface with the motherboard? Don't know yet because we have PCIe on these regular boards. I don't know what that looks like yet. But I think generally, yeah, give us that SD card slot. Go crazy, Apple. Put an SD card slot built into this thing. Put a Red Mag reader. Put it. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Oh, wait. We're not even like shooting on Red Mag anymore. Red Mags are dead. (laughs) They shoot to cards now. Yeah. Yeah. No, but they, they they can make a bunch of decisions between now and that unveiling, and they can put that thing in the size of like a, a, yeah, about a shoebox. This. A shoebox is a, a big very shoe box. good. Yeah, I was thinking um, the NZXTH one case. It almost would just be like if you took the mm-hmm. the now Mac Studio and stack them, d- stack them pretty much. I mean, like still reasonable height. It would almost look like a really beefy, maybe like router or something like that. Yeah, a little taller, a little more space for some airflow, a little more space for maybe something that's expandable. Um, tower, but like super reasonable tower. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, honestly, the the power of, I think I saw, t- uh, there's a tweet, I think it was from last night or something like that, where someone just tweeted like, what kind of workflow 
do you have to have to think you need to keep waiting for a more powerful computer over the this Mac Studio? The Mac Studio is incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you are a After Effects editor, even a Final Cut editor, whatever, like you just got the do-all machine. It does everything you want, right? And that's what I thought about the Intel Mac Pro. And I still make that thing basically, I'm not going to say choke. You've messed that thing up. But I've had, I've had it reach its limits several times. Yeah. That thing has 768 gigs of RAM. Like on paper, I never thought I'd reach the limit of that machine. And here I am wishing for more. So, uh, yeah, when I see that there's a new Mac Pro coming, clearly there are, there are not just workflows, but there are use cases, I think is a better word, that that still need real modularity, that still need real yeah. expandability. And those people are definitely going to be waiting for real Mac Pro Tower. Yeah. Um, I am one of those people who's just like working with enough high resolution footage and plugins and consecutive plugins, concurrent yeah. apps and things like that where I actually do want extra storage in the Mac Pro. And I do actually oh, yeah. want to be able to plug in my DAC and my monitors and the displays and all that. And I, there's not enough ports. Like I just need more. So I am one of those people. There's not a lot of people that do need more than the Mac Studio. I think the Mac Studio is going to be just about as good as any content creator that I talk to will need. But I'm one of those people who's going to be waiting. Yeah, 3D stuff and rendering is probably what you... They, and they showed so much of that in the announcement. Yeah. But I can only assume the announcement for the Mac Pro is going to look so similar because those are the people who are really putting the, uh, the weight on machines. And I think the new one's going to be... Yeah. you know better for them this one's already amazing for them the new one's gonna be even better but at a certain point you're basically just advertising to those people who are like rendering insane scenes out. that's the funny thing is like it's gonna be the most unrelatable apple event ever like at least with the yeah. studio they could name it the studio and you know how they had that little setup where the lady was in front of a bunch of like things like a like a house cut in half behind her yeah they had like a bunch of photography studio mm -hmm. they had a videography studio an animation studio and like even those places don't need this computer, but hey, now look, you can do these huge HDR images and this new, you know, workflow will be supported by it. And so that was, even if you're never in that situation, you can at least understand what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a video studio. Okay, this is called the, the studio computer. That's what it's for. How are they going to explain a Mac Pro that's not even for these studios? It's for like Hollywood uh, data centers, and the craziest workstations that somehow need more power than the Mac Studio. Yeah. I don't know how you make that relatable at all. Maybe that's just a short section of W. That's where they put it, WWDC. They're talking to developers. Developers know that yeah, that's the type of that. stuff they need. You're compiling. All right, here's all the power you need. And then they and that's just how they lean in. We'll look exactly like the Mac Studio. Exactly. Looked like. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have one more question kind of to wrap, not to wrap it all up, but kind of at the end, nothing that was talked about but some speculation, I guess. Um, mm. So we saw that they took the 27-inch iMac off of the website after this announcement. Gone. They said that they are now done with the entire Apple lineup, Apple Silicon lineup now, except for Mac Pro. Right. So before this announcement, there were some rumors of people, we're all thinking upgraded M1, maybe iMac Pro comes out before Mac Pro. I don't mm. think anyone is really, the Mac Mini, the Mac Studio was kind of, a surprise but um so iMac Pro is it dead we know that Apple Silicon lineup except for Mac Pro is now completely announced we now have the 27 inch studio monitor which replaces the size that's of what the iMac Pro okay. would be and the iMac is now the smaller like in my eyes is now 
iMac is just the I'm a family computer at home. I can bring in my kitchen and do whatever and looks cool and has dumb white bezels thing. And now that's not a pro grade thing anymore. You know what? You know, when you put all the clues together and you look at the way Apple phrased a lot of things, I would say, yes, the iMac Pro is dead and not coming back. I agree. I'll combine the fact that they've said that the M1's done and they're just going to have one more thing, which is a Mac Pro. That mm-hmm. seems like the obvious thing. It's like, okay, no more no more iMac Pro. Yeah. Um, you combine that with the fact that they literally have the same display as the iMac Pro in the, the studio display. Mm-hmm. So if you want an iMac Pro, you should just get a Mac Studio and a studio display. Exactly. That's about the same price, actually. Probably Let's say close. you get two thousand dollars for the display, and you get five thousand dollars for the computer. Seven grand—that's what a high-end iMac Pro was. So that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you, you just you put in the fact that like the iMac—if you were to create an iMac Pro from the current iMac, you need it to be redesigned again. That's a bunch of yep. thermals. That's a that's a new like heatsink that sticks way further off the back. Like if they haven't designed that and they said they're done adding to the lineup, sounds like it's not coming. It makes me think that the old iMac Pro was a like really quick transition pro grade desktop because Mac Pro still wasn't out yet, but they the old Mac Pro is so old and having issues, they didn't really have that in between of like, this is what professionals should use. And the yeah. main gripe with it was if I'm a professional, I probably want two monitors doing a lot of yeah. these different workflows. Or like a couple more ports. Yeah. So now the Mac <laughs> yeah. Studio and being able to have up to three monitors of the studio display yeah. feels like the clear And now solution. they get to call it modular. I'm doing air quotes, audio Yeah, listeners. that still really makes me We modulate, we separated it from the display. So now you can just swap it out and put a different one if you want. Yeah. There you go, it's modular. Someone at Apple needs to learn what modular means for sure. Well, I'm not holding my breath, but I think we'll see a truly modular Mac Pro at some point in 2022, and I think that's a positive note to end it on. I'm hoping. I'm crossing my fingers. 2022. Audio listeners, 2022. I hope I hope so also. Yeah, we'll Don't see. Don't know if I would bet on it. <laughs> Either way, uh, that's about it for this week. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of videos on the channels now. You should definitely check out the green iPhone unboxing on the shorts channel should be up the day this comes out Sometime, also yeah. yeah check out the the full recap video for my thoughts and obviously if they're a little more concise this is a bunch of rambling but hey if you want that recap to share that is there and stay tuned for the reviews because we got to test these things out either way that's been it for waveform this week thanks for listening thanks for watching catch you guys soon peace waveform is produced by adam molino we are partnered with vox media and our intro outro music was created by vane silk Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.